It's the After Laugh. You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the After Laugh. After Laugh. Welcome to the After Laugh. After Laugh. After Laugh. After Laugh, man. Go ahead, pull up a chair. Hey guys, welcome to the Afterlife. Um, some people may have been looking forward to this moment. I have. <laughs> I'm having uh, Mia fucking Mars on the podcast. My neighbor, Mia Mars. Who... Literally next door neighbor. We share a little patio where this podcast is done. Yes. So sometimes, time to time, I'll bring snacks or bowls yeah. of weed or cigarettes. or It's right outside. What else am I going to fucking do? Yeah, and you know, Mia, I, I think we're friends now. Fuck yes. I think it was a, a journey to become friends. Yeah. There was some there was some uh I don't know I don't know if the word's resistance or what what, what was going on? What was your head? Because I think maybe your impression. I like of to me push people away is what it is. And I also you hear a lot of shit from a lot of other people. What do you mean? Oh, this place talks. Honey, we know everyone's garbage. I mean, we know all of Nico's garbage. He lives upstairs because shit. So what did you he got to break up? Oh, wait, I don't even want to know what you heard, you heard about me. But anyway, oh no, um, nothing. I know you don't return shit. <laughs> oh really? What did I take in that return? Uh, Kelly's got issues. She thinks you don't return shit. Then again, Kelly. Yeah. Kelly, who lives in down the, the way. What don't I return of hers? In the back. Oh, she's got grudges <laughs> against me. I guess you forgot to return a flashlight or some shit. I don't know, man. That's so funny. You know. Yeah. It's, by the way. Probably 100% true. Because, <laughs> I mean, you saw me today scrummage around like, I lost my passport. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely but I'm you found old it. brain. I found it. I told you, it's always under something. Yes. It's always under <laughs> it's something. Under my nose. Um, so I don't know if Kelly, I have no idea. I, yeah. I don't know. Kelly's existence to me is a, Kelly's, is, she lives in a little shack. She lives in the shack in, in the, the back lot. with a bunch of dying dogs. With a bunch of dying dogs, and yeah. she walks her dying dogs. Yeah. And she's probably a lesbian. I'm oh, yes. assuming she's a lesbian, but I've yes. never seen her with another human being. <laughs> I, I haven't. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I've just never seen her with anyone no, other I than her dogs. No, I think she's just one of those people that like animals more than people. Yeah. Like huh. the asshole vet. What do you think that means? Do you think weird shit's going back there in that little shack that we don't want to know about? <laughs> I think there's just... A lot of sad, dying dogs around. It's like a little hospice for dogs. It's a pospice. And then we have, we also have parking lot cats. Oh, God. We have so many freaking animals here, man. All right. We got three parking lot cats, okay? We got Seymour, who's my favorite. We got Feline, who's kind of a spoiled cunt. And then we got Rufus, who just shows up now and then. I've never heard of Rufus. Rufus is the black and white cat. He just shows up sometimes. Yeah, they know that there's food around. Yeah. The cats, they, they, they communicate somehow. They get oh, over here. Oh, because Mike David, his favorite thing to do is to shake out this fucking hammock and say, I'm calling the cats. I'm calling the cats in for food. And it's like, yeah. okay. And Mike David, we should, <laughs> Mike David used to be an investor. He was a, a trust fund kid from Canada. He came to L.A. to help run the Laugh Factory and help open up a new Laugh Factory. And um, at some point, the cheese slid off his cracker, and <laughs> now he's he thinks he's talking to Vladimir Putin through brainwaves and shit like that. Oh, yes. So, um, And he speaks with a New York accent, even though he's from Hamilton, Canada. 
Um, but he says, cheers. Yeah, and that is fucking L.A. in a nutshell. Oh, yes. And oftentimes we'll see him in his little black car. He's got a fancy black car. And he'll just sit on, like, the little sunroof portion, the little, when it's down. And I'll just sit him, see him, like, sitting there at Coffee Bean just, I don't know, talking to Putin or some shit. Yeah, at one point he was going to open up a laugh factory in Marina del Rey. Oh, he yeah. had plans, blueprints. It was it was really close. Really, and it fell through, and I think after that happened, he just started counting marbles in the corner. I don't know what it was. I think it was also something to do with his wife. They they were having some issues. I think they're not divorced. They're not divorced. Oh yes. fuck me. Yeah. So anyway, why why do people stay in terrible relationships? That is a really good question, Mia. Like I know you and your baby mama are not a thing and never kind of have been. No. No. Why? Like, I get it. I've been in one for, like, two years. But then, you know, he broke up with me. I probably would still be with that bastard. I don't know why. Why Why do you think you would still be with him? Comfort, mostly. People are afraid of change, whether it's good change or bad change. We don't like to change. We get used to shit. Yeah, that's true. Now, I mean, I want to kind of get your story because I don't oh, really yes. know much about your story. Um, I know that uh, you you have parents because yeah. you come out of someone's vagina. And um, your dad is, I don't know much about it. I know that he's a businessman. And My dad makes... used to make mannequins for a living. What an interesting job. It, the field trips growing up as a kid were really weird. Why? Um, sometimes in like third grade, kids would come out crying. Why? Because they weren't used to seeing like headless like things. And I grew so wait, up with that. Where were the field trips? To the factory. Oh, to the laugh factory. No, to the mannequin factory. Because <laughs> his his mannequins are all over the Long Beach Laugh Factory. Yes, and they also are. In... That's how he and Jamie met. Because Jamie, being the eccentric that he is, was like, "I want, I want mannequins everywhere at Long Beach in Chicago." Mm-hmm. Um, that's my Jamie accent. I don't do a good. Everyone one. does it. You can't Everyone... do Jamie without doing an accent. You he, he can't, man. Yeah. My David does the best Jamie accent. Anyways, he said, you know, buddy, I need mannequins. My dad's like, okay, man. Then they kind of realize, you know, hey, you're a Middle Eastern Jew with three sisters and English was your second language and all that. Mine too, man. Wait, tell me about that. So where were you born? I was born in Santa Monica, man. And English was your second language? English was my father's second language. Okay. Um, I'm and learning What's his first language? French. French. Yeah, and I'm learning French now because sometimes when he gets really fevery from the chemo, okay, so he yeah, slips we got, back we into French. Tell that story. So oh, y- yes. your father got diagnosed with cancer. Pancreatic cancer. Oh, my gosh, which is a really aggressive form of cancer. He should have died six months ago. The man's a miracle. Yeah, and he's so he's doing all of it, chemo and radiation. and Chemo, radiation. He just got off of this one... Um, little what's it called uh, it's a trial study like he is the last one of all the people in his study that are alive you know uh, all my friends are dead yeah yeah and what do you think is keeping your dad alive you probably do you have brothers and sisters nope so you're you're his girl i am his entire world wow and uh also i think what's keeping him alive is uh, he needed a haircut the other day. I'm like, what man on chemo needs a haircut? <laughs> this is, I, I, I'm grateful, but sometimes I'm like, man, 
I don't deserve that. There's like, there's people that like you know, okay. So the survival rate of the survival rate of pancreatic cancer surviving a whole year twenty percent. Wow. And of those surviving five years, nine percent. And he's had it for how long? He's had it for a year in like March or April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how's he doing now? He's doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he gets his fevers. You know, he has shitty days. He has good days. He has bad days. Um, it's hilarious. I said, Dad, is this the most amount of pain you've ever been in? He said, a little bit earlier when I couldn't even get outside to play golf. <laughs> So he has a sense of humor along this whole process. Oh God, yes, my my dad is my inspiration. And his and his brain is still sharp, and so I know I don't want to. He's got some chemo brain issues. Yeah, but like I said, when he gets really fevery, he reverts back to French. Wow. Yeah, and like with my shitty French, I managed to look up one time. He just said, "I liked working at the factory." That's he said in French. I liked working at the mannequin factory. Wow. Yeah, I worked so, there too. So, I don't know much about the mannequin business. Yeah, ah, nobody does. But it seems like your dad did pretty well in that business because, from my understanding, is that like you're you're not from an, an, uh, a poor family. My dad's always been an eccentric too. He was one of the founders of Johnny Rockets. Oh, really? Yeah. That's interesting. How are you going to find finding a burger burger place for the mannequin place in factory the 80s. guy? Well, my dad was originally started off as a lawyer. Then he and his lawyer buddies were reading at the Apple Pan, and one of them was like a bit of a weird, kooky eccentric. Started digging through the garbage and said, guys, we could totally do this shit. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, let's do this shit. So they made Johnny Rockets on Melrose, and my dad sold his shares in 94, and he bought a house across the street from the beach in Playa del Rey, and I grew up there. Oh, wow. I didn't know you grew up in Playa del Rey. Oh, yes. I'm a local girl. You're a local girl. Local, so local. when you... now. Mia fucking Mars. So your your real first your real last name is what? Levy, L E V I. And were you trying to hide the Jew thing, or what was that um, about? Ma- no. Mia Mars is a badass name. Was that just? Oh, I love it. I, when did that come about? Um, I kind of realized I always was sick of people mispronouncing my name my whole life, and uh, I always wanted a stage name. I guess. Yeah. Um. So you got legally changed? Not yet. And I don't think I can because I'm so proud to be a Levy. I'm so yeah. proud to be a Jew and so proud to be a Levy. Maybe I'll do the whole change my middle thing to like my real last name bullcrap. So I'll be Mia Levy Mars. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. I feel like Batman sometimes. Receipts are a nightmare because I'm like, <laughs> shit, what fucking name do I sign? Yeah. And it's funny when I was in the psych ward, which we will get to, mm-hmm. when I was in the psych ward, one of my roommates was a graphologist. She could study people's handwriting. And she looked one at one, like, two examples of my signature, and she said, the fuck's up with you and your last name? Yeah. Like, God, you got me good. I don't always know which last name to use. Yeah. So you start doing an L, and the L becomes an M, and then you... Like, oh, I do, like, okay, what is the last name? I always like last name first. There have been times where I've been at potluck and I accidentally signed Levy. I'm like, oh no, you don't, motherfucker. <laughs> so you were, uh, when you were, and you were a Dizel girl, were you a beach girl? Were you like. I hate surfing. 
You hate surfing. You I hate, fucking hate surfing. What about the sun? Do you find the sun? I'm, I'm okay with the sun. I hate sand. <laughs> so you weren't the kid who was out of the beach every day at all? I would ride my bike up and down the beach. I, You know, Playa del Rey, Dockweiler Beach isn't exactly the surfer beach. El Porto's the surfer beach in yeah. my neighborhood. Um, but no, I loved growing up in Playa del Rey. It's like Venice Beach with a hangover. Interesting. That's a good description. Right? Yeah. It's like Venice Beach with a hangover. You know, we still go to Moe's all the time, Moe's Bar. <laughs> There's like four pool tables in there and a bunch of plastic chairs. And this one guy named Moe, who during football season on Monday, loves to really dress up, like puts on latex noses and shit. And the goal is to like find Moe. <laughs> so would you look at your childhood? Would you say that was a happy childhood? Yeah, except for my mom being an alcoholic and my dad working a lot. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it was, I guess I was definitely a lonely kid. Yeah. You know, I grew up in like this mansion as an only child. Yeah. And uh, I would just go into the basement a lot and paint. So you were in a house. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah. Daddy bought a house across the street from the beach. So did you want to be a painter? Was that your, your I dream? I was gonna be double majoring in painting and sculpting i thought i was gonna work with my dad and make mannequins or be an art teacher and yeah then i took an internship here because you know my dad and jamie were buddies uh-huh took an internship and when was here. that that was like eight years ago maybe 2012 2012 so seven took, years ago seven years ago i took an internship here and jamie said i'm going to put you on stage and i'm not going to pay you until you do yeah i'm like oh fuck at that point had you wanted to be a comic no I never thought of it. Like, I tried an open mic when I was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of cute because when I went there, I was too embarrassed to use my real name. So I used my MySpace name at the time, which was Saturn. Just playing Saturn. Just Saturn. So you went from, you had a thing with planets. It's some planetary yeah. shit, I guess. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, and I grew up on Vista del Mar Lane. So Mar, Mars. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, how was your first open mic? I ate a dick. What did you? I don't want to hear about your personal life. Ah, hey now. Ah. But what, um, do you remember what you talked about? Um, I do remember the only thing that really got a laugh was when I said, when is sin sleep not having a sale? Yes. That's a great question. Yeah. Sin sleep is like, they always are having a sale. It's a mattress company. They're always having a sale. And if you beat anyone's advertisement, price then your mattress is free yeah yeah which is kind of doesn't make because they'll go hey this is an advertised price and they'll go okay we'll sell it for the same price so what else are they gonna do you know they're yeah. just gonna match it yeah. doesn't make any sense yeah but instead they say it's free yeah and you know there's always that one guy that would go you're killing me larry yeah exactly is that I, still a thing sit and sleep i don't fucking know that guy i do always people still that... buy mattresses from places other than ikea or well, i mean online now they have the ones that are come rolled up in a box really yeah that's right you would know <laughs> yeah yeah oh went through too many mattresses um uh, okay so you did the and you're 15 you're like fuck this i'm not gonna do it again i was like well i ate a dick i'm glad i did that that was fun and uh so you put your comedy dreams on hold yeah you know it was always funny you know what it is i've learned something the real comedians aren't the class clowns the real comedians are in the back of the classroom thinking and talking about what the class clown did. Mm. 
going, he should have said this, he should have said that. Yeah. Or, you know how every now and then when you were a kid, the quiet kid would suddenly say something really fucking funny? Yeah. That ends up being a comic. Interesting. And also a lot of only only child. Yeah, Robin something. Williams. I mm-hmm. remember reading a study that said that um, the youngest is normally the funniest mm-hmm. or the one that is the outlier. Like if there's all women, then the man becomes like the comedian. If he has like five sisters. Like Dan Cook, yeah. Yeah. Or um, opposite way, like Johnny Stewart. He had, you know, like all women, men or all men, the woman will Johnny be the comic. Stewart, as in John Stewart. Johnny Stewart. What Fuck you know? me. Johnny Sanchez. Johnny Sanchez. Okay, yeah. Not Johnny Stewart. There's too many fucking names, man. <laughs> Johnny Stewart's the name of this open micer who yeah. uh, really needs to get his balls off of my face. I don't know if that's a literal expression you mean. What do you mean by that? He he really wants to fuck me, and he's got a girlfriend now, but I could still tell that he'd dump her in a heartbeat. I'm like, no. That's flattering. It, 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 no, he's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just a problem. <laughs> oh, but he's respectful about it, right? No. Like, one time we were roast battling. Get uh. this. He likes to play bets at the comedy store we were roast battling if he won i had to make out with him for 30 seconds mm-hmm. if i won i got to drag him around on a collar and he had to buy me drinks all night that collar thing didn't last long even though i won because he started liking it oh yeah i'm like oh no i, I, I can't enjoy this if you're enjoying it yeah, too I see your boner i don't want to do this yeah i don't know comedians aren't people anymore i i hear you so, Mia, one thing that I want to talk to you about is um, well, there are so many things I want to talk to you about. Yeah. But when I first met you, you were a much, much larger girl. Yes, I was. So, um, I mean, how much did you weigh? Oh. Not to be rude, but how much no. did you fucking weigh? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> you must I think I topped the scales at 180. 180. And you're, you're, you're how tall? 4'11". You're 4'11". Yes. 411 180. So you're basically like a roly poly. Uh yeah. I, I I definitely looked planet like. <laughs> hey, hence the Mars and hey! Saturn. And, yeah. You know what it was? You were Saturn when you were heavier and now <laughs> you're skinny, you're Mars, you're a smaller planet. That makes sense. So <laughs> did you what what now now people who don't know what me and Mars you're very svelte you're you're a little little girl. I am very skinny. I have no tits anymore. So I, you miss the tits. I miss the tits. I also had a breast reduction before I had my gastric sleeve. Oh, you you should have They were huge, held, dude. They held. talk about planets. Those were huge. What what were they what was the cup size? Double F. Double F, my god. Yeah, and then I got them reduced, and then I got really fat, and my body's been through a lot of changes so more than David Bowie. So you got reduced first, and then you're because oh wow, when you're that heavy and you you have smaller, what do you get reduced to? What? A D. A D, and then you lost all the weight, and the boobs went with it. Yeah, now I got grandma titties. I don't know what size they are. <laughs> they are sports bra size. That's what size they are. I'm like I I but don't that's know. That's good. That's great. You don't Bralet sized. I'm not wearing a bra right now. Bucket. That's great. Who yeah. wants a bra? Who, what are they holding up? Nothing. So, but I feel like a lot of people do gastric. The, the what was it called? Bypass. Gastric bypass. Okay, there's a difference between the sleeve and the bypass. The sleeve, they just cut your stomach in half. The bypass, they're like, "Fuck your stomach. We're gonna leave it in your body, but we're just gonna keep the tubes go right from like your esophagus to your like large intestines. Your stomach will just provide nutrients. Yeah. 
I don't know if that's what stomach does, but okay. It doesn't. It's supposed to digest the food and hold it and shit. Yeah. Gastric bypass. They're like, eh, fuck your stomach. So, and they all end up with diarrhea and they're terrible. Yeah. yeah, they lose a lot of weight quickly, but they're miserable. So how about you? How how's your how's your bowel movements doing? Are you regular? Is it normal? Yeah. Yeah. Close yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it is? There are times where I'll take like three poops before I have to leave the house. Yeah. If they're healthy poops, it's good. Yeah. But then I won't poop for the rest of the day. <laughs> and it's just all three in the morning. And I'm like, okay, I but like it's while I'm getting changed, you know, while I'm dressing, it's like, okay, I put the tights on. Fuck. I already put the tights on. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when did you start doing stand-up for real? When was that thing where you're like, this is what I'm doing? I decided to try to, you know, go back to L.A. and give stand-up a little bit of a chance. Mostly back to LA just from where? From San Francisco or where I went to art school. You went to art school. What was the school? Uh, the San Francisco Art Institute. Go Pigeons! And I'm assuming that's, is that a good school? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Garcia went there. It was mm-hmm. the first art school this side of the Mississippi to accept women. Oh, wow. Um, Courtney Love went there. Uh, the guy that did the Burning Man sculptures every year went there. Yeah. Who else went there? What other famous druggies went there? Oh, a lot of famous druggies, man. Uh, let me think. Uh... And that was a four-year program? Oh, you know who went there? Who? Edward Moybridge, who is arguably one of the inventors of film, whoa, taught the film, uh, taught the, at the film department. He it was also the first place in California that had a film department. Yeah, and Moybridge taught there. Now, while he was teaching there, Edward Moybridge killed his wife's lover, mm. murdered him, and he was the very first person to ever get away with the insanity defense. Saying, really? I had temporary insanity, and he got away with it, and he continued teaching at the art school. That is incredible. I know. There should be a movie or a story or a book about that. Oh, do not get me started about George Kuchar. Okay. <laughs> ah, he was this weird eccentric guy who was from New York, never learned how to drive, and he just created these bizarre movies, man, where they really didn't have much of a plot. One of my friends was in the movie, and he kept breaking his leg. Like, he broke his leg twice in three months. Uh-huh. So there's some scenes where he's got a cast, some scenes where there aren't, some scenes where he is. Maybe there's a scene where this old lady is being attacked by a spider. We don't know why. Just go with the flow, dude. It's a George movie. Yeah. He also had a twin brother, and they had no idea what kind of twins they were. If they were fraternal or identical. Yeah. No wow. idea. Wow. And he was an Art Institute guy? He's just a, a guy. He was one of the teachers. <laughs> they all die on us, dude. They all are just a bunch of old men that die on us. You have a great relationship with them, and then they fucking die. Uh, people have a way of doing that, don't they? Like, they do. Some people like to take their time, like my dad. Some people. <laughs> so, uh, so you did the four-year program, yeah? Yeah, and, and I even you, studied abroad in London. And you have a degree in what? Uh, Bachelor's of Fine Arts. Bachelor of Fine Arts, which is such a useful degree. Oh, yeah. Um, and from there, you were M- Mia Saturn, and you, and then you moved back to yeah. L.A. to do comedy? No, I was just Mia Levy. Didn't have a stage name, really. Um, 
after I decided to just move back to L.A. because I was miserable there. Turns out I was miserable everywhere. <laughs> I have major depressive disorder. Yeah. And, uh, when did you find out that you had major depressive disorder? I always thought it was pretty normal and life was always just a bummer. And then I realized, oh, no, I've been diagnosed with this shit. Um, I guess I got first diagnosed as a teenager and then I went to college. And then after like a year of the newness of college wearing off, I went mm -hmm. back to being depressed. Mm -hmm. Now, what does depression look like for you? Because I, 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 I have not dealt with it personally. I have like a lot of people. I know my daughter has dealt with it. Yeah. Um, is it? Because I've heard different manifest in different. Like some people, they just stay in bed for days. I mean, I don't know. I used to for quite a while. I, there was a period in my life I called the Great Depression, uh -huh. which was after I graduated college, and you know I was barely working here. They let me do shit. They let me hang around and do shit. It was essentially what it was at the Laugh Factory. At the Laugh Factory, and I called it the Great Depression. There was a point in time where I was so depressed that I wouldn't get up to go to the bathroom because I didn't want to face the mirrors along the way to the bathroom. Hmm. So I just pissed the bed. But I always wow. took my little one-eyed chihuahua out look, for a walk. You, you didn't yeah. want to look at the mirrors. I didn't. So you pissed the bed. So I just pissed the bed. Just laid a towel down that was old and growity, and I just pissed the bed. Yeah. No fucks given. That was a very low moment in my life. Probably also a little bit of, you know... There's something kind of nice about the fact that you're like, fuck it. <laughs> I'll piss the bed. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Now, you, I don't know. Now, um, what, what, I think that when you're, when you're a young kid, you, you were diagnosed at how old? I was about 15 or 16 when, when they first realized I had depression problems. And then um, and I you, was you diagnosed. You didn't realize you had depression. You just thought like life is kind of shitty. and I always knew it was a bit of a bummer. Yeah. But I didn't know I was depressed. Um, so does that being diagnosed that way? I mean, is that, uh, look, I got diagnosed with degenerative spinal disease, right? Which one? Spondylosis, whatever the fuck it's called, whatever. <laughs> whatever it's called. Spondylosis. Because, because I don't think it's helpful to know. Yeah, my back hurts. So I should do things to help my back. But the idea of like, I have a disease. It's just not a thing that I think is helpful to help me have less back pain. You don't like the label. Yeah, well, I just think it. I think labels can be very uh, diminishing and hurtful. So when you're 15, when everyone is a little bit fucked up and depressed, usually to be told you're huh. you have a disorder. I mean, mostly I just knew I was depressed, and they gave me like antidepressants when I was 14. What antidepressants? Oh, Celexa, which was a black box shit. And every time I took them, I heard like voices telling me to jump in front of cars. So I started. What do you mean keeping, black box shit? Like it means that like you know you are not supposed to give these to people under 18. Ah. Anyways, I started hearing voices, and I started hiding them in my socks. And then thinking, hey, I can sell these for money. Hey, crazy kids in El Segundo, you want some of my weird antidepressants I hid in my socks all day? Yeah, so that was your first job. I didn't make any fucking money. Oh, you didn't make any money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, do, you, do you find that your interest in stand-up comedy, do you think it's a way to kind of deal with the depression? I was always definitely a bit of a nerd for comedy, and I think it definitely helped. When I was a kid, uh, you know, I grew up with an alcoholic mom, and I saw Christopher Titus, Norman Rockwell, is bleeding. Uh -huh. And he kind of gave this whole, like, you know, we're warriors mindset. We're warriors, and it makes us funnier mindset. And I was like, fuck yeah. 
I'm funny, I think. That's what some people say. Yeah. I feel like a lot of comedians don't realize they're funny until somebody else tells them. Interesting, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So what first got you, after the open mic when you are 15, what's, what got you back on stage? Jamie forcing me to go back on stage, saying he wouldn't pay me. <laughs> so it was at the Laugh Factory? It was at the Laugh Factory. What was that like? What was your first show at the Laugh Factory like? I remember I was too nervous to stand up, so I sat on the stool. Mm -hmm. I was originally a stool comic. A stool comic. You know what I mean, a stool comic. Uh, I don't quite. Usually when I think of stool comics, I have a lot of respect because I'm like, wow, you can sit there in a chair and do a set. That's that's hard, you know? But you were just kind of sitting there because, do you remember your first jokes? How did How did it go, first of all? You were doing the open mic at the Laugh Factory? Yeah, I don't remember my first couple jokes, but I remember I wasn't too terrible after I kind of, you know, I guess was old enough to vote. Um, <laughs> I remember Don Marrera came up to me and he said, kid, you're funny, but you're really dark. You got to warn people this. You got to warn people that you're dark. Yeah, you got to warn people this. Mm. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not having a bad day. I'm just a sad person in general. And he's like, yeah, that's funny. Do that. Yeah. And that was my opener for a really long what time. What was your opener? I'm not having a bad day. I'm just a sad person in general. <laughs> that was my opener for a really long time. Yeah. But yeah, I would only like dick around and do like the open mic at the Laugh Factory. Never did any other open mics until, I don't know, I got my head out of the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. And really fucking started going for it. And I realized, oh crap, I love this shit. Yeah. I'm fucked. <laughs> I am fucked. So where did you start going after the Laugh Factory? What open mics? Oh, Comedy Store, because it was in walking distance, because Potluck has like 200 comedians at any given time. Mm -hmm. um, Potluck, oh, the next stage theater was such a shithole. It's closed now, but everyone's got a disgusting story from the next stage theater. Where was that? It was on the corner of like La Brea and Sunset, above this laundromat. <laughs> terrible disgusting things happened there the cops were there what do you mean? all the time like, what does that mean people did cocaine off the bathroom walls there was somebody sleeping in the back it, like random homeless people would walk in all the time people got haircuts in there one of my friends got punched on his birthday there courage got bit and kind of died there lots courage, of terrible courage your old dog yeah. courage was a little one-eyed chihuahua speaking mm -hmm. of dog Oh, wait. By the way, it is very, just so people know, it is 1 a.m. Is it? Yes. And we do have neighbors. <laughs> Shut up. We do have, we literally have neighbors. Yeah, yeah. So, we have a lot of neighbors. So We've established I I, this. I, said, I remember one time we had an exchange where you were talking and I said, and, and I, I, I look back, I felt bad about it because <laughs> I said, do you remember this? I said, Mia, are you, are you partially hard of hearing? Yes. And you were like, yes. I go, because you really do don't seem to have the ability to speak with an indoor voice. Nope. And I remember the look on your face. I, 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 it was so sad. I was like, oh, fuck. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and I, did, I didn't even mean it in like a mean way. I just meant like, I don't know. I, maybe I didn't mean it in a mean way. I don't know. But I was kind of like. I do remember that. And that's okay. I lied to you about being partially deaf. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm just loud, motherfucker. I'm just loud and Jewish. I was an only child in a mansion. I am loud. <laughs> we had intercoms in my house as a kid. I think I did too. Yeah. So that's in Virginia. Oh, well, I mean, 
but by, by the way, it was like a small house. So it wasn't like we had a mansion. We need intercoms. It was just like, I was in my room and there was like, come down to dinner. <laughs> it's very weird. My dad was an engineer. He thought of all this dumb shit. Um, so me, I wanted to ask you about, uh, your, your, uh, recent Experience excursions and, um, you were here. Yes. Okay. Let me just tell you, this is, this is what happened recently with, with Mia. Um, and we've had we've had interesting relationship. I've, I've never I've never been mad at you or hate you. A couple of times I was like Jesus Christ, Mia, but um, you're probably the same way about me. So I remember I came back. I was in New York or something. I came back and your car was kind of like half in your space and half in my space. And I was like, Mia, what's up with your car? And I was like, trying to get in. And, and then your friend who was here, I was like, Do you have Mia's keys? I had no idea what the fuck was going on, but it'd been there for like a week, and I couldn't. It was hard for me to park. And then finally. And I didn't hear from you for, I guess it was about three weeks. And then I got a text. I just got out of the psych ward, dude. Ah! <laughs> yep. And um, so I'm very curious about how that transpired. How does someone go? Because, you know, as, as much as I've seen you around, I've never seen you in a state where I was like, oh, my God, we need the cops. We need to get the straight jacket. We need to put a powder. I just was like, you're, you're out here. You seem like you have, you have a lot of friends coming and going. Yeah, friends make shit easier. Yeah. Um, what was it? What was it? How did that happen? What was the moment where this happened? Well, my mom had a little intervention for me. So why did she laugh have the, factory, the, the, the laugh factory? In the actual laugh factory. Where in the laugh factory? Like upstairs? Downstairs. During a show? No. <laughs> Mia, get off stage. No. No, but it was kind of hilarious because there was a point in time where I felt like they weren't listening to me. So I went on stage, grabbed the mic, and I was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Why isn't this thing on? Fuck you. Where, where, wait, what? This happened on a Sunday. I, I During thought, the day? During the day. What were you doing in the Laugh Factory during the day on a Sunday? I, I was having an intervention. I didn't know oh, what was oh, happening for so me. So they set up an intervention yes. inside the Laugh Factory. So, so, okay, this is great. Right? So first of all, they're like, hey, Mia. Come into the Laugh Factory. How do they get you to the Laugh Factory in the day? Um, Who to told my gal you? pals showed up, and they're to like, "Hey, apartment. yeah," and they're like, "Hey, you want to go get breakfast?" Sure, okay. And then like, hold up, we gotta swing by the Laugh Factory. I left something. Okay, I'm like, wait a minute. So you walk in through the. It was back. ten days before my birthday. Wow. So I thought, hey, maybe this is a birthday surprise. Then I saw my mom. I'm like, oh, this isn't good. So you walk into through the back of the laugh factory. Through the back of the laugh in, factory. You walk in, and your mom is where, like, in one of the chairs where the audience members would be. She opens the door. I'm like, "Hi, mom." Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh no, 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 no!" And she literally grabbed me and pulled me in. Uh huh. I was like, "You're gonna hear what I have to say." Da, 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 da. And how many people are there? Like eight. Eight. There people. wasn't even enough for a fucking bringer show. Okay, but eight is a pretty. That's probably standard number for an intervention. I would say. Two of them I didn't even know. So did they sit you down somewhere? Yeah, I sat in the stupid little fucking circle. I listened to all their stupid wait, wait, where fucking is this, letters. Wait, where is this? Because I'm imagining the Laugh Factory stage. Oh, uh, we were just all in a circle. In, they in, put the in chairs the seats, in a circle. In the seats. In the, in the seats. In the seats right in front of the stage. Yeah. Yeah, okay, got it. And you're in a little circle, and you see the people in the circle, and you have yeah. to come. You, do you sit in the middle? No. You, you stand sit, there? You just you, sit on the okay. edge of the circle. Uh-huh. You just sit on part of the circle. And they all read you these terrible fucking letters they wrote. So eight people. And they they all had a... Who, six people. Who organized it? My mother and Lila Hart. Li- Lila, who was here earlier? Yeah. Okay. Lila Hart. So so obviously your mom is not privy to your day-to-day life, I imagine. No, she so isn't. Then, so then Lila talked to your mom. 
Yeah, my mother and Lila Hart are buddies now. Okay, so how um, did? I guess my question is, how did I, it? How did it get to the point where Lila, your friend, said we got to do this? What happened? Did you wake up in the LA I Zoo with she, a giraffe? No, I was just depressed, and you know, she's were like, you "Why saying, are you? were you saying suicidal things?" Oh, I always say suicidal things. <laughs> That's just what I think is funny. Um, so this didn't this didn't look like a time in your life that was different necessarily. You didn't feel no, like you were careening off of the edge. Or I didn't spiraling. feel like I was careening off an event. You know, like I I was a pretty shitty person, but it wasn't like the skids. Anyways, they sent me to a drug rehab. Okay, let's back up to the intervention a little bit Ill. before we get yeah. that. Look at that. So everyone's reading letters. Yes, and these are all people that you feel pretty close to, right? Not always. I mean, some of them were family members I only see at like... And some are like, well, who the fuck are you to be in my intervention? You there was just... one point in time where I said, who the fuck are you at my own intervention? Yeah. Because there was just some woman who was sitting there. Oh, man, I, I pulled out every nasty fuck. I played dirty during that intervention, Oh, what'd you do? Oh, I yelled out some shit. Like, you know, Dad, you know, Mom, Dad has you as crazy gold digger under his phone. Wow. So your dad obviously was not there. No, my dad wasn't there either. Yeah. So I was like, how can I take an intervention seriously when my dad's not even here? Who's the closest person in your life probably, right? Yeah. And so your, <laughs> what did your mom say when you said that? He didn't want to be here. No, he had no idea what was going on. Oh, he didn't? No. You found that out? He's like, he paid for it. My dad pays for everything. <laughs> yeah. He pay, yeah, he's rich and he's dying. He's going to pay for anything you shove under his nose. Yeah. So what? So the intervention was intervent. Was it about drugs or sex? They or thought they thought it was about me doing drugs. They just thought I was off the rails. When it's like, no, I I'm not depressed because I do drugs. I do drugs because I'm depressed. Yeah, I'm not. No, I'm just very depressed. And now you guys are giving me an ultimatum. Unless I go to some ridiculous place, I never even had like the option of exploring. Mm -hmm. so, so I went to this stupid fucking rehab, Okay, so though. yeah, so I don't know if people know this, but in L.A., particularly because L.A., there's so many personalities and artists and crazy people, um, it's really hard to 5150 someone. Now, 5150 means you involuntarily check them into rehab. So that wasn't the case. They basically said the intervention was basically like, well, you need to volunteer to go. Yeah, to a rehab. And, and I was like, are they going to help with my mental disorder too? Yeah. What mental disorder were you? Depression. Depression. Okay. I'm not an alcoholic. Okay. So you said, and then did you feel, so you agreed. At the end of it, at first, were you fighting it? Oh, every step of the way. And then, you know, I do anything for my dad. My dad thought it, would, it couldn't hurt. So after the invention, you called did. dad and you said, hey, dad, what, what do you think? What the fuck is this shit? And he yeah. said, you should go. He said, okay, let's call up your psychologist. I'm like, call my psychologist because they weren't even at my intervention. That's fucked up. Yeah, that seems weird. Yeah, because my mom's a fucking cunt. Okay, what do you think about your mom, though? I'm kidding. Because anyway. <laughs> she's a... No. <laughs> well, by the way, Mia, maybe at the end of this podcast that maybe we can come to some sort of resolution about your mom that she's not a fucking cunt. She no. just doesn't know how to communicate properly with you. And she, she doesn't does know how not. to love you the way that she should. She does not. And she's just threatened to detach from me so many times. She's threatened to. But don't you think that's out of fear that she has about losing you? I mean, I don't think a mom... I, I, I think... Like, 90... this is just in the past yeah. two months, she's, like, threatened to detach from me five times. Yeah. And it's like, you can't keep playing this shit while you're going through your own fucking divorce because you like to hit your husband. Ah. Uh. Yeah. 
So don't. Uh, now, growing up, did you did you was your relationship with your mom better? Nah. It was always tough, and you and it, it's better now. It's better now because at least there's some you're talking about it. Yeah, we're talking about it, and uh, she's sober now. That's good, right? Yeah, but you know what it is at the end of the, look. Sure, she's sober, and she listens to her Deepak Chopra, and she does a kumbaya shit, but she's still hitting her husband and still likes to be pushy and throw shit. Yeah. And homie don't play like that anymore. Yeah. Has she actually been physically aggressive with you yeah. recently? Uh, as an adult? As an adult, yes. Well, as a way in London, uh, yeah, she hit me. I had her fingernail on my arm for a couple of days. I was grody. <laughs> Um, and okay, so let's yeah. we can go deep in that rabbit hole, but let's go back to the rehab. So at the yeah. end, you talk to your dad. He said, "So you go to this rehab now. Where is this rehab located? This rehab is located on Sunset Boulevard, and it is a ritzy fucking place. Sunset by the beach, or I always Sunset picture rehab, rehab by, is by the beach. The, most, the nice ones are this one. was in Brentwood. I thought I was going to Venice. Nope, you're in the wrong place. I'm like, I'm not even in the place. The address you guys told me I was going to be living at. What the fucking shit is this? And I go there, and it's just filled with these gorgeous women yes, who have no personality. <laughs> okay, they do, but they're not and eccentric. The, and this is a rehab for alcoholism For and alcoholism. Drugs. And, yeah. like, I never felt like such a loser for not being an alcoholic man. Yeah. It, it, you know, they would let me sleep through therapy, but they would be like, come on, we're going to go in the druggy buggy. What's the druggy buggy? It was just a little van they schlepped us around in. We're going to go in the little go? druggy buggy, and we would go to AA meetings. Oh, just general around Brentwood area? Around everywhere. Everywhere. Look, AA, you see, the AA part, is there's no longer an AA. It's like alcoholic and proud. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people <laughs> people go, oh, it's Alcoholics Anonymous, but no one's anonymous about the alcoholism in LA. No. It's, like a, it's, like a, it's like being shot as a rapper. It's, it means that you're legit and you're a real artist, that you're an alcoholic. Yeah, nobody, there's no shame in it. There's no stigma. As a matter of fact, it's like, a, it's the best place to make business deals, I think. Yeah. Um. So, we're at this point. What was we're stuff? Still in rehab. Was there stuff in AA? Was it speaking to you? Were you going? Oh, some wow. of it, I was learning some shit, but most of it, it was just you know, I couldn't control myself, and you know they kept saying trying to make it work for you and make it work for depression and shit. I'm like, okay, I could be locked in a room for a year and still have depression. You could be locked in a room for a year and you would be better. Yes, because you're no longer drinking. Because you're at least sober. Yes. So that was hard to relate to. Some of the staff was nice. Some of them weren't. Um, mostly I just remember sitting outside a lot crying and burning myself with cigarettes. Um, that was a habit I picked up this year. Wait, burning like on the, on the arm like Breakfast Club style? Yeah, Breakfast Club style, but on my legs. On your legs. Yeah, um, I like to wear tights. Now, did you do that because you just wanted to feel pain and feel alive? Nothing on the inside, nothing on the outside, buddy. Or did you... What, why, why would you burn yourself with cigarettes? Because I got tired of... Being a cutter is exhausting. You have to do so much laundry, man. <laughs> you have to do so much laundry Mia. when you're a cutter. The cigarette's already in your hand, so you can just put it out on yourself. Have you said this on stage yet? No. Okay, you have to. <laughs> Should I? Because it's Oh, because super... let's talk about cutters. When I was in the psych ward, man, woo, there were some intense cutters. Like, you could see it, what hand they, like, wrote with based on where their cuts were. Mm-hmm. 
It's very Sherlock Holmesy. So you used to be you used to be a cutter. Yeah, yeah, I did it on my legs, and then you know, blood is such a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's so much better just to fry shit. It, yeah, just fry it. <laughs> and then you come out with like a cool little circle, like yeah, I see, like that circle. one. Yeah, but then it scars permanently. You got nice little getaway sticks. You want to, you want to, you don't want to mess them up. Yeah, that's the only thing I got working for me. I have no ass and no tits now. <laughs> getaway sex means legs for people who weren't born in 1940. Anyway, so uh, so the, you did breakfast. the re- rehab was how long? Rehab was ten days, and I went nanners. And you weren't, and but, I so, wasn't getting the help I needed, and like. But it, but but you were. It was probably good because you. I mean, you do drink and do drugs, so it's probably good to detox your system to a degree, right? Yeah, I detox my system. But I also detoxed it pretty fucking well at the psych ward. Okay, so get, get to this. How did the psych ward come about? Because the rehab they happened. Called, uh, they put a 5150 on me. Who did? Uh, the people at the rehab. So the people at the rehab. So you must Because I lost my mind. I went nanners. What I happened? Was, what do you mean I you lost I wasn't getting mind? the help I needed. And yes. I was just crying uncontrollably all the time. Um, you know, we used to have these stupid little affirmations. Like, you know, before we woke up. Like, you know, after breakfast and after dinner, we would have our little affirmations. And, you know, I just remember mine kept saying, I'm getting better. Yes, you are. No, I fucking wasn't. Yeah. I was losing my shit. And, yeah, we had a private – it was a beautiful place. We had a private chef. We had a pool. We had our – I had my own room. I got to bring my dog. But I learned that uh, you got to get the help that you need. Yeah, because you at this point, it's not like you're going, I need a drink. No, that drugs. wasn't my problem. Whatever yeah. your problem is, get the right help for it. Yeah, it's hard you to know, know what that is. Like, junkies shouldn't be, like, getting sober in a psych ward. I saw a lot of that. Yeah. And you're like, what are you doing here? Yeah, you're addicted to heroin. You're addicted to heroin. Like, don't. No. you. Wh- why are you here? You shouldn't be here. If anything, you are causing up traffic in the med line. You're not going to get a Xanax. Shut the fuck up. So so how does the 5150 work? How does that come about? So you're crying, you're crying, you're crying, and then they come up. Is it the type of thing like— I was they, so happy to get the fuck out of there, man. Did they, I was like, call me away. Do they—I mean, did, was it like they put you in a straitjacket? They cuff you? They zip line you? They just say, hey, we're going to take you to the hospital. And you go, okay. They put you in a little gurney thingy, a mm-hmm. little collapsible gurney. Uh-huh. And they're like, we're going to take you to the hospital. We're going to take you to Ronald Reagan. Okay. And As Ronald Reagan leaving, is a is – like so he told UCLA. You knew it was a psych ward. Uh, no, they put me to the UCLA uh, emergency room first. And next door was this one kid who uh, I guess tried to kill himself and was prostituting himself. And his parents were crying, crying, crying. Mm-hmm. I, being bored to tears, said – it's okay, Jonathan, or whatever the fucker's name was I managed over here listening. It's okay, Jonathan, you can get through this. They told me to shut up. I'm like, well, this is why your kid does drugs. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> so so the- I just waited. And there, uh, they, somebody at the rehab sent a pretty cool chick over. Her name was uh, Che. And, uh, you know, she made sure my dog was safe and everything. I just sent her a gift basket. Anyways... Uh, then I was off to the psych ward. So the psych ward now, in order to be 5150, do you have to, cause we tried you have 51 to say, 50. I said, um, oh, I would really love to be able to like, there was a barbecue that never got used near the pool. And I'm like, part of me wonders if I could grab my dog leash, attach it to my leg and throw myself in the pool. 
Yes. And they took that very seriously. And I'm like, I, I, to this day, if I enter a new room, I will look for places to hang myself. For fun? Kind of. <laughs> Mostly for fun. Because I'm really light now, so it's a lot easier. Oh, no. Oh, my God, Mia. Um, so, you went, and you told me that the psych ward was actually, you liked it. I did. So what was a psych ward like? I don't even know anything about like a psych ward. I just remember it's one like flew a really over cuckoo's fucked, nest. Yeah, it's like a really fucked up daycare. I have four roommates, and you know, there's like adults in this daycare. They bring you snacks. They do your laundry. I had to do my own laundry at the fucking rehab. They do your laundry for you. It's kind of like camping and daycare and jail all at once. What do you do during the day? Like, what's your day look like? Um, you know, they have like little workshops where a social worker comes and talks to you about stuff. And they also have, um, mostly TV time. A lot. I hung out with a lot of people and we just watched catfish a lot on Xanax. That <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And I, of course I was the funniest person there. I know I'm just an open micer at the psych ward, but that was still like, you, you take what you can get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You take what you can get. Did you get any good bits from the psych ward? I want to go back just for more material, man. So much good material. I lost my little psych ward notebook, but... Oh, you lost it. I I left it out of the show. What are the stories that you remember the most from the psych ward? Uh, Let's see. Just good stories? Or the people, definitely. Whatever stories. For people who... I think most people listening probably have never been or may not be, so it's... All right. I had four roommates. Mm -hmm. One of them had multiple personalities. Did you like all these personalities, or were some of them dicks? I never could tell when she had a different personality or not. I think one of her personalities didn't talk. Because <laughs> there were times where she would get real quiet, but that was it. Yeah. Um, one of them was a bipolar woman who outlived four husbands, mm-hmm. never cut her toenails, and fell asleep in her sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And then there was a Mama. Mama. Mama was a big sweetheart, but she forgot a lot of shit. I think she was senile. Yeah. I asked her one time, I said, what did you do to end up here anyway? She said, girl, you don't want to know. Yeah. I'm like, okay, Mama. (laughs) (laughs) If you say so. We have plans to get together on November 3rd and go to Pechanga. This November 3rd? Yes. That's a while away. Yeah. Um, So, and so there's Mama. Who else were the roommates? Um, And then we just always had a rotation of people. One was this uh, girl who fell in love with uh, one of my buddies there at the psych ward. They fell in love. It was kind of cute. They only had kissed three times. Aww. Oh, it was so qu- sweet. Now he's in rehab. Oh, so uh, he did the opposite thing. Yeah. Um, but it was fun while I was there. And was it, you were there for how long? 13 days. I tried to get out every day I was there, too, though. What do you mean you tried to get out? Oh, yeah. You don't want to be stuck there. Like you tried you are... to escape? Not escape, but like, what can I do... To manipulate the system so I can get the fuck out. And, you know, they put me on a 5250. That means you're there for 14 days. Oh, okay. Is there anything past 5250? Yeah, they could keep you in there for 30 days. Yeah. And then there's something called um, conservatorship. Whoop. Jesus Christ. Who the fuck? Who's Booty Call? No. Take it. No, I can't. Um, I can't. I'm going to turn this off. All right. Well, um, there's something called conservatorship, which means you 
are not a free person. You do not get to make all the best choices for your own life. And there was one girl in there who didn't have conservatorship, so she was in there for like six months. I remember. Wait, what she, was what's conservatorship mean again? What's conservatorship mean? means that uh, somebody else makes all the decisions for you in your life. You can't be like, "Hey, I'm better." Yeah. It means you don't have like the mental capacity to take care of yourself, so other people have to. Yeah. Like a senile grandpa might, you know, somebody might take conservatorship over him. This girl was, you know. She was just there for six months because her parents didn't want to deal with her. Oh, wow. Six months is like, how do you come out from six months? Dude, after I came out after 13 days, that was weird. Because for a while, my planet was only consisted of like one, the hallway. Okay, my room, the hallway, the day room. The bathrooms didn't even have doors on them. The nurse's station, which I never went in. The little area with the phones. And the cafeteria. That was it. Wow. That, that was my whole life. Oh, oh and the outside area. Uh, I don't know what's happening. I'm getting like, I'm getting like spam. Oh, uh, let me pick it up if you got it. No, I don't have to pick it up. Go ahead. All right, I got a story for you from the psych ward. Yeah. Gary the schizophrenic. Mm-hmm had a crush on me uh-huh so he stared at me dead in the eyes and ate a styrofoam cup <laughs> a styrofoam cup yes he said you're a vampire and walked away what the fuck yeah so my buddy che and i were like the fuck is this shit dude he was <laughs> the one that fell in love and we're like the fuck is this shit <laughs> and so we told a nurse i'm like so gary ate a cup <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he ate an entire cup. He ate an entire styrofoam cup in front of me. Then just said, you're a vampire, and left. Wow, that sounds like true love. Um, well, at least he got me. <laughs> now, did you, was was part of your, your rehab and maybe, was there anything, did you ever feel there was like a sex addiction going on? Was that part of it? No, if I had a sex addiction, I definitely could have gone late in the psych ward. Were um, people having sex in the psych ward? God, I hope not. <laughs> God, I hope. I don't think so. They're pretty good at, like, you know, keeping them separated. But I I asked a lot of questions because, you know, it would be, like, midnight. I'm like, no, I'm I'm, I'm up still. I want to talk. So yeah. I'd talk to the nurses, drive them crazy. <laughs> and I asked them, what's the most interesting thing you ever found under a bunk? Because at 4 p.m. every day we had, like, bed checks. And she said, I found a used condom. Oh, my God. You found a used condom? She your- found a used condom under the bed. I would leave, like, leave notes behind for the other nurses. Like, happy Monday. <laughs> I drew on the walls there. I had a pretty good time. I made a lot of friends. Did you still, are you still in contact with these people? Yeah. Yeah, I still talk to them. I'm thinking about going back to visit, see who's still there. Really? Can you? Are you allowed to? I don't know. I probably shouldn't, because that's a little weird. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you feel do you feel that since you've been there that you have a, a different handle? Um, oh, yeah. Like, I learned a lot of shit, and I learned, you know, how to communicate with people better. I learned to be more patient with other people. Yeah. Um, 
I still can't tell if someone's eccentric or if they're crazy, though. Why? Hmm. I wasn't eccentric, and I didn't think I was that crazy. I was just depressed. But there were some people that are legitimately crazy in there. There was one woman who just kept saying, No! 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 At 3 a.m. And who is that? Oh. That's 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 my friend. Been a long distance phone call. Aw. Yeah. Um anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so back I want I want to I want to wrap up the story about the psych ward. Let's do it. Um all right. So what? Let's ask better questions. Um I saw one girl slit her wrist with a tube of toothpaste. How is that? Oh, cuz you cut it in half and it's sharp. There's no scissors. Yeah, how are you going to cut it? How'd she... She reopened an old wound using the very pointy part of the toothpaste tube. (laughs) And her name was Amelia. My name was Mia. So the nurses would come and be like, so what's this I hear about you opening a cut? That was Amelia. Oh, okay. (laughs) What's this I hear about you banging your head until it bleeds? That was Amelia. Oh, my God. (laughs) So they just kept accusing me of... Saw one guy in there... um, he was coming down while wearing a dare shirt. Coming down off drugs. Yes, while he was wearing a dare shirt. That's hilarious. Oh, my God, it's hilarious. <laughs> I saw a blind guy play Pictionary. Okay. That was hilarious. The art therapist had a sick sense of humor. Uh, I saw a schizophrenic do karaoke. Oh, wow. What did he sing? Sweet Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> did he have a good voice? No. <laughs> But he kept saying, I need quiet. I need quiet. Gary, we are quiet. You're the one that's, you're the one that's talking. So the whole time, were you thinking, um, you, you don't fit in or did you think like, these are my people? I thought, I don't care if these are my people or not, but these people are pretty cool. (laughs) These people don't talk about fashion all the time and vegan food. Oh my God. And (laughs) did you, um. And are you still in t- touch with any of these people? Yeah. Not the rehab people, but the psych ward people. Yeah. The rehab fucked me up. Because um, I, I I felt very gaslighted there. But the psych ward, you can't hide anything in the psych ward. You, there are literally no doors on the bathrooms. You cannot hide anything. There's no, like, if you wanted to go into a corner and cry, you couldn't. Where are you going to go? Yeah, exactly. We couldn't even stand in the hallways. You got to be in the day room or in your room. Yeah. <laughs> but probably the funniest thing I got to say is I got to do a set at the psych ward. Whoa. And they set up as a night of comedy? No. Like right after Gary did schizophrenic karaoke. Yeah. Um, the art therapist was like, Mia, do you want to do a set? Like, fuck yeah, I do. She said, oh, but it's got to be positive. Ate a dick at the psych ward, man. <laughs> Bombed at the psych ward because I couldn't think of a positive set. The only thing I could think was like, my dad thought that we didn't wear shoelaces was trendy. He thought it was a new trend. We, oh, wow. So your dad visited you? My dad visited me. The world's, Guinness Book of World's record smallest stripper visited me. Because Lila Hart's friends with like every midget on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> 
and she brought the world's smallest stripper in and i like had to tell them I'm like okay guys listen um two little people are going to be visiting me so i i guess we should keep susan and morales and all these other people away when she comes in because they're because they're the real crazy ones <laughs> they're the ones that see shit I don't know. I learned how to play spades from a schizophrenic. I now eat cereal with a fork. Why? Because there were never a lot of spoons around at the rehab. Or at the rehab, at the psych ward. And I remember I was sitting eating, like, you know, my Rice Krispies with a fork. And one of the guys was like, hey, Munchkin, you eating cereal with a fork? (laughs) Yeah. That's some hood shit. Like, is that hood shit? Yeah, you save money on the milk. (laughs) Now I eat cereal with a fork all the time, and it is delicious. It never gets soggy. Why? Because there's an... It's it's a fork. The (laughs) milk drips through the fork, and then your Fruit Loops are the perfect combination of soggy but still really crunchy. Wow, that is some life hack shit I've never heard before. Oh, yeah, now I only eat cereal with a fork. (laughs) <laughs> only <laughs> I don't know I learned a lot I miss what it what else did you learn what do you what do you feel what do you feel like the biggest takeaway um, from uh, from the sec word is yeah we all have our problems get the right help you need and I was so afraid of going into a psych ward then I realized I fucking love this place this place is nice don't expect the don't expect everything to get worse sometimes shit gets better yeah and i never thought i would ever miss a psych ward like i think about the people every day yeah and i wonder if they're doing okay and i wonder if they're still there and you know it was a little sad because all the friends you would make would just go away in three days so people were there only there for three days. A lot of them, you know, they were only fifty one fifties, not fifty two fifties or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my roommates was there for twenty nine days. Mm-hmm. And she finally got out. And the first thing she did was call me. And, and we- I haven't hung out with her yet. And I really want to because I want to make sure she's okay. Yeah. But She's got her shit. And that's the thing. We all have our shit. Nobody is perfect. That's what I learned. We all have our shit. Quit thinking you're better than everybody else because we really all have our shit. We're all in this together. Yeah. It definitely taught me to be uh, more more compassionate. More compassionate and more grateful for the things I have that you can learn something from everybody. Yeah. And I got so much fucking material, man. <laughs> what What's the material that you got that's the best? Like, what's the best material you got? I just got out of the psych ward, and it feels so good to use pens again. Oh, you couldn't use pens in the psych ward? No, we had these terrible little markers. Yeah. And the marker, the caps did not fit on the back of the markers. Uh-huh. So if you found a pen, chances are they didn't have a cap. Chances are it was dead. Yeah. Dead inside. Like me. Um, let's see, what another... I'll so finish no off pens, with no my No shoelaces. There's a fire pit in, in the little courtyard area. Why would they have a fire pit for people who are suicidal? I don't know, man. I don't know 
what genius thought it was. But then, to, like, add insult to injury, they put flowers in there. Uh-huh. They put flowers under a gazebo in a psych ward courtyard. Nothing grew in there except my will to die, man. <laughs> Nothing grew in there. It was hilarious. But probably the best piece of comedy gold I got was uh, making fun of this one woman who drove me insane because I liked the schizophrenics. I liked all the crazy people. As long as you were saying something different. If you just kept repeating yourself, I hate you. Yeah. So what did they What did they say? What was the cool thing? Uh, well, she would always go, no, no, stop this. Stop this now. Stop this violence. No, no, no. No, no, we're watching basketball, Susan. Calm your tits. No, no, no. So the joke I came up with was they tried to make me go to rehab, and I said, no, no, no. no." The nurses didn't like that one. Oh, so so, uh, when you did, how long was your set that you bombed at? One minute, two minutes. I forgot how to do it, dude. I forgot how to do it. And as I took the mic, number one, positive set. Oh, fuck. Number two, after that positive set, I, like, looked out at the people, like, wearing gowns and all these fucking, like, hand-me-down clothing that were all just in the donations bucket. And all I could think is, oh, shit. Yeah. This might be the weirdest place I've ever done comedy. <laughs> and you've been some weird fucking places. I've been to some comedy. weird fucking places. And I just got back from some weird places. And I haven't had, done, like, a set in a month. And I totally forgot how. <laughs> I forgot how for a second. Have you been back on the stage since? Oh, yeah. The second I got out of the psych ward, I went back on stage. How'd that go? I still had the little bracelet on. I ran the light. I ate a dick, but it felt really good to be home. <laughs> also, uh, one of my buddies was like, let's do a dab. And I was like, yeah. And my tolerance was shit now. Yeah. But wait, wait, was there a moment when you got out where you're like, I should not be doing any more drugs and alcohol? Oh, or, yeah. Yeah. And that went away. Um, I've definitely slowed down. Yeah. Now my new pills, I can only have like five drinks a week. Uh-huh. That's what the doctor told you? Only five drinks a week? Yeah. They're like, you shouldn't be mixing like Lexapro with alcohol. Yeah. So you should like, you know, cut that back a bit. And I have been. But I was just so excited to get out that I definitely, you know, like dove into the deep end of the pool. Yeah. Uh, but it feels good to be back in the circus. Have you thought about doing like storytelling? Because maybe that's a, a for now to tell these stories, which I think are fascinating, might be a better format. Because stand up is always like about you got to hit the punchline of the joke, and sometimes it can be a little insensitive to deeper mm-hmm. human emotion. Have you thought about like the moth and shit like that? I don't know if the moth is still around. Mm-hmm. Aren't there storytelling venues? I always thought storytelling was for unfunny comedians. <laughs> <laughs> You thought storytelling was No. No, you know what? I'd done bedtime stories before at the comedy store. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, some storytelling mics are good, but some of them I just feel like it's a giant AA meeting, and I <laughs> should be in the corner coloring and crying. Yeah. Um, but maybe I should. Mostly I know I want to stop talking about the psych ward stuff because I've definitely been out longer than I've been in now. Mm-hmm. And even though it was such a great hub of material, I gotta move on. Yeah. Not only emotionally, but like comically too. Yeah. I mean, like, it's it's a it's it's rich material for for stand up for sure. I highly suggest you go. <laughs> 
But then you, I mean, you haven't, I mean, you know, what other comics can talk about that? It's you know? true. You know, there was one time where I, it was early in the morning. I was getting my coffee from a little machine that we always kept asking them to refill. And some, I don't know what I said, but some nurse laughed really loud and said, you were my first laugh of the day. <laughs> I'm like, that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess also another thing I took away from was the fact that uh, I'm a positive influence in the world, even though I'm incredibly depressed and huh. I can be depressing. I'm a positive influence on people. Well, how, how did, what do you mean by that? How did you find that out? found out a lot of people missed me. Aww. I found out that uh, I helped a lot of people, too. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this one kid that had a lot of bad anxiety, but he invented this really cool game for us to play. And uh, I noticed he was a little shy, but I was like, dude, this game is worth it. I don't care if you're shy. We're going to play Cornholio. That's what we called it. <laughs> Cornholio. Yes. We're going to play Cornholio. And then suddenly, you know, the activities director came and was like, okay, we're going to play Cornholio. And then he brought around all the other units in the hospital. And now Cornholio is like... What is Cornholio? What's the game? It's such a stupid game. It's like heads up, you know. Uh, but we would write like a noun or an adjective or a verb. And they would put it on their forehead facing out. Yeah. And then we had to reenact it without using any sounds. So it was That's like, pretty funny. Yeah. So it was like a weird little improv game. Mm-hmm. But, you know... So Godzilla, you would get like an Asian person or you would like slant your eyes and then, you know, you would have another friend go, rawr. <laughs> and then, you know, we got the psychopath to add some words to the mix that was a little fucked up. The psychopath? Oh, yeah. We totally had a psychopath. What does that mean, a psychopath? What is a psychopath exactly? A psychopath feels no remorse. So were they, did they hurt people? Were they a murderer? Were they just like? No, he just felt no remorse for like emotionally hurting people. Mm-hmm. Like, he would litter everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, he also had a messiah complex. He thought he spoke for God. And there were yes. two people with messiah complexes in there, and they both hated each other. <laughs> I'm the real messiah. I'm, no, the, I'm real, the real, yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. It was so funny. Wow. I feel like that's just basically, that place is like a metaphor for Hollywood in general. Like, go on a tour of one, man. Well, hey, if you go back, I'll go with you. Yeah, you want to do a psych ward set? I'll, I'll, yeah, I don't know if I'll do a set. Maybe at Christmas, I'll, like, call them up and be like, hey, so, you're stuck there at Christmas. Let's give them a comedy show. I'll call the art director that thought it was a good idea to let a blind guy play Pictionary. <laughs> she, like, wheeled him up, too. He was wearing the sunglasses. She's like, no, no, no! Come on, you can play. And did you were the were the people who worked there nice? Did you feel like they were some nice? Some of them to you? were, some of them weren't. Yeah. Um, social workers kind of suck sometimes because they get your file confused with everybody. Yeah, yeah. And there was no social worker per ward, so whenever you found them, you you had to like run them down and go, oh, oh! So there would be times where we would be like, are they there yet? Are they there yet? Same with the, like, doctors. They might be there for, like, seven seconds, and then they go. Uh-huh. Uh, my doctor was named Abjelina. I called him Absent-Lina. <laughs> yeah, the nurses loved that one. And, um, you know, try to flag him down for six seconds. Ugh. Some of the staff were great. Some of them weren't. Um... 
God, I could get in trouble, get her in trouble for saying this, but one staff member, um, cause like I said, I was always up late at night dicking around with the nurses <laughs> until they get, until they forced a trazone down my throat and told me to go to bed. Um, one of them brought me back like a stale Coke from the cafeteria. I'm like, there's a cafeteria here? <laughs> like a legit cafeteria? Wow. Where See, they I, like toast bagels and shit? I feel like this is almost too good for stand-up. I feel like you should do a one-woman show. <laughs> just psych ward stories and then just never do them again. Yeah, or just, just write, write, write like the story of being this, like write it all down and perform it as a one person show. Like if your dad has money and you can get a venue, just do one woman show and give it a f- cool title. What would you, what would you call the title of being in a psych ward? Like, uh, 5250. 5250. Yeah. All right. I think I got one other thing I learned there. Yeah. You're sometimes a reason for, someone's favorite mug by that i mean like the little impacts you have in your life make a difference like because you gave somebody a mug for christmas that's their favorite mug and they think about you every morning when they get their coffee (laughs) you are somebody's favorite mug somewhere like one of my buddies i gave him like like a little weed jar he uses that weed jar all the time you know you are a reason for somebody's mug or somebody's haircut style or you know you are more important than you think you are. That's the number one thing I really think I learned. You touch people just by being yourself. Yeah, if, that's an important thing to learn. It is. You are the reason for someone's fit. You are like, you know, you are a lot more important than you think you are. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when people kill themselves, that's what they mostly forget. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. The people that want to kill themselves are good people because they don't want like they think they're a burden and like if you think the world is better off without you you are already a good person interesting yeah that makes sense yeah doodle what the fuck are you doing my dog is doing Your something dog's humping the floor or uh what is the fuck is he doing um I mean, Mia, stuff that you said already is, like, pretty profound and hilarious. And I already, like, I mean, I don't know what the, the comedy set from it is, but there's something there. And I hope that you're able to, like, yeah, find it. Because, again, again, that can help people. Oh, like, yeah. Like the podcast uh, with Vanessa when she talked about depression. She talked about her dad's suicide. I mean, a lot of people contacted me and said, wow, I feel like this really helped me get over some stuff and get through some stuff. So I think this is, like, this could be a great tool for you to kind of – like you said, just be a lot of people's mug yeah, and help them out. When you're depressed, remember you're a reason for somebody's mug. Yeah. It sounds stupid or, no. you know, maybe somebody has like a favorite meme because you sent it to them or we are connected through little ways all the time. Yeah. You know, like I still have little notes that my friends passed me during the psych ward and shit. I still oh, really? have the pens and crap. I thought you could have pens. Oh, you mean the shitty like markers. The, the shitty markers. They look like little magic wands. Yeah. <laughs> They're terrible. What's that? They're such terrible pens. I kept them for the sake of, I don't know, a souvenir. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's still, probably not. It totally does not work. Yeah. Like me. It doesn't have a job. <laughs> It's just dying. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you should get a job. 
Yeah, I've been trying to take care of my dad more, though, and see him more. And um, I've been doing this library at the Laugh Factory where I've been trying to collect a bunch of books just about comedy. Oh, yeah. And then during the weekends, during the day when the VIP room is closed, let them come in there and check out books and see everything. I've been thinking about having DVDs to the collection, but that's... There's not enough time in the world for that shit. Yeah. No. But I'm reading Gretchen Marx's autobiography. That's fascinating. Yeah, I'm sure. And that's is that a rare book? No. No. It, there's a copy in the library too, but Yeah. Chica was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people know much about the story of the Marx brothers. All right. The Marx brothers are four to five, depending really. Four to five brothers that were Jewish and were in New York, and they lived in a single-room apartment with their father, their mother, their grandparents, and an uncle time to time. Yeah. So that's ten people. And they all got into the vaudeville circuit, and they were hilarious, and Groucho was definitely the funniest, in my opinion. And then he owned the building that the Laugh Factory is on. I didn't know that. Yeah, he owned the building next door, dude. Huh. He owned the Laugh Factory headquarters. That's the building. That's Groucho's old house. Jamie writes on Groucho's little desk. That's funny. I did not know that. That's crazy. You know this place is haunted, right? I've heard it's haunted, yes. But guess who? Groucho. Yup. Well, that's a good ghost to haunt your place, I guess. Yeah. Huh. If you could get those two upstairs to stop fucking fighting, we'd be... <laughs> get those raccoons to stop fighting, too. Oh, God. Um, well, me, I think, um, you know... I think I, this I, has come to a natural conclusion. This is a natural conclusion. I think you got to close with March, with Groucho. Um, I think uh, I think we'll, we'll have you back a few times. We'll keep having these conversations. I, I think you I think you got to make a... You got to start writing the stories down. You got to do the set. And I'll come and watch it next time. Aww. I've but you got to talk it, about this. Yeah, like I said, I've, I've talked a lot about it. And I, I'm like, I can't wait to go back to get new material again. <laughs> Just pretend you're crazy so you can go back and get some yeah. jokes. That'd be funny. Or to your nurse or some shit. Do it. Maybe I'll just do it for like a step, like seventy-two hour hold. Be like, hi, I feel sad, and just don't do my laundry. Why don't you, for three why don't you go back and volunteer for a few days? Am I allowed to? I'm sure. Try. Maybe, yeah. I think this is something. I think you're on something. And this could be really cool. This could be. A, this is a story people aren't talking about. And mental illness is is still like the third rail of conversation. Nobody like when I mention the psych war now, everybody is relieved when I mention it because so many fucking comics have been there, and we don't talk about it. Nobody they, talks about it. Like they mention other places. Like yeah, I fuck with Del Amo. You've been to Olive Branch? No, I haven't been to Olive Branch. Just went to Del Amo. Yeah, Olive Branch is better because they let you smoke cigarettes. And it's like, why do we not talk about this? Why is this hidden? Mental illness is very prevalent in the comedy community. Yes. And the world. Yes. And instead of doing this whole, you got this girl, all that crap. Sometimes you got to say, hey, this kind of sucks. And yeah. I'm a little broken. And I don't always got this, girl. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I think I should leave off with that bummer. <laughs> okay. Well, um, listen, uh, Mia, I'm so glad you finally got to come I'm on. I'm so glad I got to be on finally. And we're, we're going to talk more. You're, yeah, I told great. you you wouldn't regret it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's the end of the show. 
We're uh, <laughs> signing off with Miramar's from the After Laugh. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bill. It's the After Laugh, After Laugh. Welcome to the After Laugh, After Laugh, After Laugh. <laughs> after Laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>